pioneering spirit is vital because it challenges how things are and improves adoptees' lives. Well, hello and welcome. How are you doing? You're listening to the Adoption Winner podcast and my name is Joy Carter. Today we have an amazing bonus full-length show just for you. My beautiful guest is the highly acclaimed American singer-songwriter and adoptee, Laura C. So let's dive in and have a sneak little snippet. And it's only in my research, it's it's only the last, I don't know, 100 years or so that, that music has become entertainment. And... Um, that it has been used for different functions. Usually it's got either a spiritual, ceremonial purpose or a healing purpose. Um, so I find that fascinating that it had the pendulum swung really far the other way, but now I really see music coming back to uh, its original intention, which is crazy. choice. I just funny because my friend's little, little boy said um, this, which I, I love this. She literally posted this yesterday. She said, at bedtime last night, I asked my four-year-old son how he felt, how his heart felt when I hugged him. He said, my heart has a party and all his friends come. It's interesting to me how we understand medically that things are passed down. You know, nobody says anything when the breast cancer gene is passed down. But the second, like, emotional things are passed down or, um, you know, any other kind of mental health traits or any other kind of giftings are passed down, then all of a sudden it becomes kind of an issue. But no one has any issue with medical things being uh, passed down. And we're just, the bottom line is we're body, soul, and spirit. Here I thought I was just documenting my addiction journey. And then I begin as it, it ended up being uh, in the United States. It ended up kind of taking off for a little while. And I ended up being doing a lot of TV shows and a lot of conferences for the 12-step movement. But what blew me away was the people that responded were getting recovery and healing from like cancer from all sorts of trauma, from eating disorders, from um, ad- adoptees that had been trauma. They were, it was so much wider than I had ever anticipated or expected. And so it just proves that, you know, whatever your story. Yeah, wow, indeed. So who is this episode for? I think some of you may be thinking, well, quite frankly, everyone, if you've been fostered, adopted, or if you are looked after child, maybe you were brought up in care, if you've suffered from any addiction or any type of childhood trauma or any type of trauma in general, maybe you are already a specialist, a social worker or practitioner. Maybe you're a student or training in this, or maybe you're just interested in learning more about this type of material. Well, welcome. And trust me, you are going to get tons out of this. So just receive what you feel is for you and don't worry about things you've never heard of. Maybe challenge you, maybe trigger you, maybe you're quite angry about some of this stuff. You're thinking, really? That's absolutely fine. As this is the director's cut, no holds are barred. Laura is very personal, candid, warm, and she also explains everything incredibly, incredibly well. So you're going to be in safe hands. She brings a huge wealth of personal experience and knowledge to this brilliant, brilliant, brilliant time that we had together. Now, if this, if this episode is going to be like a buffet meal, trust me, this is a full spread of goodies with a doggy bag for later because you're going to want to unpack some of this stuff a little bit later because we go there. So what are we going to discuss? 
where we're going to discuss things like how music can heal the soul. We discuss trauma, attachment, birth mothers, separation, emotional genetics, the loss and gain of adoption and fostering, loads of Laura's personal journey and how she came face to face with the difficulties that came and challenged her in her life, how she survived terrible addictions and how she wrote music that not just healed her heart and was cathartic but also became cathartic to thousands of other people all the way around the world now i know you're thinking that sounds incredible but we even discuss are you ready for this some quantum physics i know shock horror Science is not just for the scientists. Listen, we have to get our heads around this because this is going to help us understand a little bit more about frequency, genetics, faith, and our personal walk, what that means to you and your future. So this is like getting to a rocket seat. I don't know about you, but I'm just like blasting off right here. We haven't started yet. (laughs) It's just that good. I know it's that's that good. So here is how this is going to work. If you listen to episode one, which is also an introduction, where you heard around the first 60 minutes or so of Laura's interview, then please have a quick look in the notes below and you can fast forward to the exact point and go straight in to this second half and pick up where you left off from this incredible interview with Laura C. So thank you very much. Have a quick look. Everybody else. All the notes and the reference points that Laura brings are also below. So just sit back and relax now. And please do enjoy this episode. Share it with your friends. Please do also subscribe so you can keep totally up to date with all of our podcasts and work that we're doing. Please tell your friends. And you can also follow us, of course, on Instagram at Adoption Arena Podcast. And DM me your thoughts feedback and questions because that really helps me understand what you want to see more of questions you have um I do keep very close closely in touch with Laura so any questions you have as well I can forward on to her if you would prefer you can also follow me and adoption arena on twitter at adoption arena And again, please keep letting us know and letting other people know what you think of the work, good or bad, because I really want to get this information out there. Now, don't worry, as I said, if you don't agree with everything that you're going to hear, or even if it triggers anything in you that you feel you want to get help on, please do. If 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 your heart is saying, I want, I want to move on with my, with my adoption or fostering or life journey, then don't let the fear stop you from moving on it's and that's okay we're all learning in this journey I'm learning things all the time I'm challenged all the time by things like this discussion meeting people people like Laura has really challenged me to think differently so that's how we move on in our lives so without a further ado let's just dive straight in I was uh, adopted through the state and I was taken directly from my birth mother and put it in California in the States. And I was taken directly from my birth mother and put in a hospital. And then eventually I think maybe some foster care before my, so I was like six weeks when I was adopted. But during that time that That I was separated and I felt was really impactful because I was covered in a rash like uh, when my parents got me, which was like a stress rash. And I, during that time, I had had no bonding. So for all that time, I was, you know, never really held and nurtured in the right way. And that those six weeks definitely affected the way I interacted with other people. In fact, I, I had, it explained so much as to why I really only ever bonded to my mother, uh, my adopted mother and father, but like pretty much no one else. And uh, I had a bunch of psychiatrists and therapists in my twenties say that I had uh, separation disorder or what 
what they call that where you have trouble bonding to people attachment disorder attachment yeah. disorder yes yeah, sorry um yeah so but i had wonderful uh adopted parents who also two years later adopted another child through the state and um i grew up with a a sense that I was chosen. They constantly, I, I don't remember finding out. They definitely successfully incorporated the knowledge of me being adopted, the fact that I was adopted into, into my, um, the everyday dialogue. So it wasn't like some, I was 16 or something and some shocking announcement, but I remember a time where I looked in the mirror and I was starting to have emotions that were confusing that, and I remember this voice telling me, you're not allowed to be, um, you're not allowed to have any kind, these kind of feelings because your, your parents, you, the gratitude you need to have towards your parents for adopting you. And so I really compartmentalized and shut down that those emotions, but they eventually come out and they manifest in other ways because that's, those emotions are energy that I was stuffing, stuffing, stuffing because I, I was grateful to my parents that adopted me and I really wanted to be the good child um, so that they would continue to love me, which was just a dialogue I built in a frame, a framework that I built up in my own mind, you know, it absolutely, they offered unconditional love. So, um, but I do remember having a recurring dream over and over of me flying over the earth, looking for my birth mother. And um, I just never shared that because I didn't want them to feel sad or to know that I felt disconnected and there, that there was a void there that I spent my life trying to fill with all sorts of, yeah. all sorts of false. Yeah. The coping mechanisms that I think we yeah. all are very much aware of. And it's funny because when you start peeling back your behavior, especially as an adult, and you realize that you weren't just in the naughty corner, or you weren't just shut down for a reason. It's because of the, as you said, we, you know, the first, thousand days they now believe for a child and a child's development is absolutely crucial and that mm. can basically set the whole life trajectory of their emotions and security and developmental abilities learning capabilities if that's damaged in any way it's very easy to become autistic or to have major learning problems because you're mm. just broken aren't you? you're broken at birth which you know that is the nature of adoption adoption is a break so when was it, do you feel that um, you felt as though you really wanted to get help? You know, was there, was there a moment where you thought, right, I, I need to start to do some work on this? Well, in my 20s, I spent every day being uh, either filling it with some substance because that was the way that I coped was using drugs and alcohol. And it, when I was, this is fascinating, when I was, and I really want to know from other adoptees, if this is a thread, a common thread, because I've never seen the research, I I decided that I wanted to search for my birth family at, in my mid twenties, I began having um, female issues and I ended up developing tumors on my ovaries that had to, had to be removed and I really do believe there is a connection because now that we understand the mind-body connection, all that energy so that I had suppressed found itself in, of all places, ovaries, which have to do with birthing and have to do with reproduction and have to do with mother issues. And so I find that fascinating that it that manifested. And that's at age... 27 is when I hired a private detective to track down my birth mother. Wow. Yeah. Cause it's interesting, isn't it? How the physical meant, you know, the, the physical manifestation of what we yep. suffer 
um, in our brain, in our bodies. You know, but the, the body can't contain the trauma, can it? So it then affects the physical, which then is disease, sickness. Um, um, and then of course, you know, we've all got that sort of cycle, isn't it? There's like a cycle of abuse um, as you try to just grapple with these issues of identity. Um, did you ever sort of meet other adoptees? You know, so that one of your siblings was adopted. I mean, um, as well. Yeah. How did that help? Did that help you at all? Um, I didn't end up meeting other adoptees until I was much older and was actually um, ministering to other adoptees. Um, I I felt like a kind of like a I had a very strange mix of feeling like a freak that I was adopted because every doctor that would ask me about your history, you know, you have no idea. You're like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But then I also had a weird thing that my parents built in, which was almost like pride because as an artist and as a musician, you, you never want to be like the norm. And so I had this kind of like um, dichotomy of like feeling worthless and unloved even that defied reason right because it defied my situation I had a lot of love but this was still there and yet this weird kind of pride that well at least I'm different and unique because I've always felt different and I've always felt set apart in some way so yeah, because it's funny, isn't it? There's, there's actually advantages, I think, to being adopted as well, because you do, you are self-formed. You realise you, you will never fit in, because you're never going to fit in at home. Mm-hmm. So, so you develop a very strong character. I always felt I was very strong on the external side. People would think I was unbreakable, but inside I was completely shattered and broken. And trying to deal with those constant complexities of just brokenness daily, emotionally, but then also on the exterior being hard and tough. Yeah. To be. Um, but there's always a point when that that is a very dangerous um, um you know, sort of sort of yo-yo effect, isn't it, where it just will break because you can't be up and down all the time, can you? So 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 have you ever sought any sort of help, you know, to actually deal with, you know, how 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 did you you find your inner peace? Um my parents sent me to some brief therapy in my teens because I was I must have been manifesting some kind of sadness or confusion. And but I don't really met remember that being helpful music was always my therapy so it was complete cathartic like at age eight I started writing and I I would actually begin writing songs to figure out how I was feeling like I wouldn't have the language consciously so I would write songs and I would look at it and I would be like huh that's what I'm going through okay and so God gave me music as a gift because it really was um, healing. And because music, I was recognized for my gifting at a very young age, that also helped my self-esteem because I always got a lot of um, support for my gifting um, and, you know, began like recording and when I was really young. Um, so that, that was very, very, very helpful. Um, and then of course I self-medicated in my twenties was the way that I coped. Um, but also my earliest memory was when I was, believe it or not, a one and a half. Cause I just had this memory and my parents said that that can't be possible. You were like one and a half. But I've always felt that God was with me and this early memory, I've never felt like I was alone. I felt different, set apart, kind of broken, but never alone, which was very strange. Um, My earliest memory was being in, I knew it was a hospital and I can remember where the door was. There was a window there. And I remember being in something that had like a crib or something that had a covering on it. And I remember seeing light, a, like a ray of light or a, like a ball of light 
um, come to me at what turned out to be one and a half. And I guess I was very sick when I was one and a half and I was put in a hospital and they put this, I, they put this tent over me. And, but I, I really believe that even then God was ministering to me and letting me know that he was with me and I never really felt alone. So that was very important to me. That's just, that's just incredible because I, I think that's the hardest thing. I mean, I've struggled my whole life with isolation. Mm. I've never really been able to, and even now I still feel, feel quite isolated in many ways because I've got so used to being isolated. Um, yeah. Like when we had obviously COVID and lockdown, um, I felt well good, you know, because <laughs> I, I, yeah. I, I still grapple with, I still struggle with feeling on my own. Um, mm. And but I now know how to stop that cycle where I completely used to just shatter and go off on a massive, you know, um, sort of self-destruction pit. I don't do that now, but I but I do have to be careful of that sometimes coming up in me. So um, so because because you said you're a Christian, do, do you find that your faith has helped you? You know, maybe not. You know, sort of cope with all the issues. Well, I. Absolutely. I mean, I would not consider myself a traditional Christian um, in the sense that like part of a denomination and a churchgoer, so not a religious Christian. Um, but I have had deep, intimate, personal encounters with love, with the God of love. And those encounters gave me uh, a cognitive dissonance in the sense that the God that I of the the God that I was taught versus the God that I encountered was different. And so I choose to believe in the God that I encountered because no one can take away what you've actually encountered. And those encounters with love healed so much, healed all the broken places. So yeah. yes, my faith yeah. is everything. Yeah, it's, 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 it's amazing, isn't it? Cause you do need that sort of pivotal point, isn't it? There's the point you need to have something when you're for, it's like, I, I always just say it's being like, like you're attached to something like you're being on the map and maybe you're attached to the, um, the, the a mast and the ship's going left and right but you need to be anchored to something yes. that you can hang on to when you're going through the stormy seasons in life um otherwise you can just completely go under um so Absolutely. so you obviously you were growing up you, there was always the love and the support um and then you know obviously finding the lord because i know your music is very you know it's based from the soul isn't it you know you really do sing what you see don't you you know we spoke earlier um and, and, and do you feel that your music can actually heal people? You know, where do you, you know, do you think music, you know, has actually obviously healed your heart, but do you feel it, it can really help people, you know, find that inner peace? Well, we've had a lot of testimonies of, of people that have received uh, both physical and emotional healing from the music. So that's been really, really beautiful. And um, I, because I was healed from, from then I can then release that to others. And so, you know, I just believe that on our voice, our DNA is carried on our voice and everything we've gone through um, is revealed. And so, yeah, I've been, I've been definitely healed by the music that I've been given and engaging time in the presence of God and just letting him surround me with healing frequencies that I then in turn share with others. So, and I'm exploring now even um, some really ancient keys of uh, some real ancient frequency keys uh, like solfagio frequencies and uh, other things that God is leading me toward to, to bring into the music as well. Um, so I'm really excited about that.
listening, who's not familiar with with healing um, sound, you know, it's like if you're listening to the waves, you know that natural sound can heal you. You know, we all know our mental health is is so important. So bird song carries a frequency. Waves, you know, natural sound, even the voice of singing, you singing, um, beautiful songs, or just humming. We know that that has a resonance. For anybody who's not familiar with that, healing is. I mean, you can just Google it if you've never heard of it before. Um, because that's something that I'm, I'm learning more and more. It's words that we say over ourselves. Yes. Store of fracture, isn't it, as well? When, when, when was it you started realising the words that you say can actually make a difference to your daily mood, for example? Yeah, well, God began teaching me directly about that uh, before I... Um, just the power uh, and the, uh, what is carried in your words and our power to create. And then he led me to studying cymatics, C-Y-M-A-T-I-C-S, which is the effect of sound and frequency on water and what it produces. And we are, you know, almost 80% water. And so he began to teach me about how, uh, how sound would affect my water inside of me. And um, that's really what helped me to, to like actually see the effect. Cause when you look at cymatics and you can see the effect of words and formed in the frozen crystals, water crystals, and you can see the, the difference, the dysmorphic, ones when their angry words are spoken like hate versus the beautiful jeweled looking formations that are formed through positive like love words like that and so that alone made me realize have you ever just heard something and you could literally feel your entire body intrinsically just respond to it that's when, when that thing is hitting your water, it is forming something beautiful within your water. And also the conversely, when you hear something that uh, really evil or negative, the, and you can feel the effect of that, that's in your water, which are also your cells are also like almost 99% water as well. So, um, so I just began to study the water within us and how sound is carried through water, et cetera. So. Yeah, because we know that trauma lives in the body, doesn't it? It lives. It's stored in our cells. It's stored, it's stored in, our, in, in our DNA. And until it's dealt with, isn't it? Until we can actually extract that, it's, it's just like stored up like in a library that's locked away. Because I remember I used to have a reoccurring dream of a room I could never get in. I'd look in the room it was boarded up and it was full of pain and and I used to sometimes go in that room and just chuck in pain and just quickly close the door and it got on more and more until once I went into the room and it was just it was like a hoarder it was full of hoarding past destruction wow. and pain and I just and that's when I knew I had to get my counseling because I just couldn't deal with the overload of past memory and um, self-destruction my body was literally breaking out you know with constant just out of control I remember one of the songs that I was listening to um, just poured out this song about being out of control oh pray for me right so uh, another question I wanted to ask you was um you know we talked a little bit about the concept of adoption because obviously we're always going to have our original DNA from our biological parents and then this new set of DNA that we then sort of inherit through learned behaviors and the environment that we we're in well, I believe that we have to reconcile and reckon with both all the strands of DNA, because from a spiritual perspective, legally, when we are adopted, we, from God's point of view, we come under the, the government of their DNA of our adoptive parents, as well as our inherited parents. So that can be both wonderful, and it can also prevent uh, present some challenges as well. So we really have to reconcile um, our generational lines and we have like double duty <laughs> compared yeah. to most people. Yeah, because I think, because one thing that I, I, I always used to struggle with was just knowing who I am. You know, I, I, I remember thinking, um, 
because I was, I was quite, um, when, when I was growing up, I, I suffered quite a lot of racism. And I remember I hated being black because mm. obviously my family are white. So I had that extra layer. Now you've got that extra layer of being from a different um, culture as well um, and um, cultural lineage. And it is very difficult when you look around your family and you're different. Um, and so I remember thinking it was just the looks thing. So I thought if I dye my hair, if I get, if I go blonde and get blue eyes, uh, that problem solved. <laughs> Mm. Were you adopted into a white family? Yes, yes. Oh, wow. And I believe that that was the, uh, I believe that that was the original, one of the, main functions of music in ancient times was a retuning back to original intention. So even in scripture, when um, the King David like played for Saul, he was retuning his body and his soul back to its original intention. So he was no longer sick. He was no longer tormented. And it's only in my research, it's it's only the last, I don't know, 100 years or so that, that music has become entertainment and um, that it has been used for different functions. Usually it's got either a spiritual, ceremonial purpose or a healing purpose. Um, so... I find that fascinating that it had the pendulum swung really far the other way, but now I really see music coming back to uh, its original intention, which is crazy because like, I never thought that I would be doing this type of music. I was, you know, in Hollywood, I had a big um, uh, artist development deal with songwriter deal with Chrysalis. I was, trained and groomed with some of the best songwriters and producers in all of music of all time. And uh, I worked with them. And so you would have never, um, I would have never thought that I would be doing as I'm doing now, which is almost a hundred percent spontaneous flow music, even, even live, um, even in the studio. So I don't even do what I used to do. I don't struggle to write songs anymore. And I never, I never imagined that I'd be doing this kind of like sound and frequency music. It's all just been part of the evolution of my journey with God. You know, he's the one that taught me all this stuff and taught me and has pushed me in this direction. It was it was never on my own accord. Um, he's the one that would teach me things in heaven and then have me release them down here. So it's been really fun. Like, like God's freaky, you know what I mean? Like his music, like the music in heaven is, is wild. Like I don't even have words um, for, I don't even have words for what it is. And it's funny because it, the, the introduction to what I'm doing now came, I was singing my little Christian songs that um, I ended up writing several years ago in this, I was invited to a college, a Christian college campus. And I was in their chapel with um, a drummer and two backup singers. And we, I was doing this music and all of a sudden the all I can explain it as, because I had no grid for any of this, the heavens like opened up and this entire choir of angels and instruments and creatures began singing with us. And I could hear sounds I'd never heard of before. And the people in the room could sense something major was happening because I, I think I was probably in shock. And what's crazy is the singers knew something big was going on and the drummer's cymbal began to uh, 
almost like it was fluid because a frequency, now that I know a frequency was going through it and the drummer simple symbol began to undulate and then fall over. And he lost half his drum kit. <laughs> it fell over. So that was like my first invitation into kind of the sounds of heaven, which is, you know, where I believe I'm operating now from. So yeah, because I this has kind of been new for me over the last couple of years. I stumbled obviously on your music and listened to lots of debates. And um, I think it's Leonard, Dr. Leonard. Horowitz talks about 528, you know, this the sense of the music, the dissonance of music, 440, you know, the recording frequencies changed um, yeah. in 19, um, 1939, you know, with, 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 and, under um, Nazi government, they changed, they changed the recording frequency of mankind to the set to violence. You can Google all that for yourself, whether you believe it or not. But it seems to me, even if you don't believe it, you know, that some music you listen to it makes you riot. It makes you angry. And another music you listen to brings you peace. Like a lot of um, orchestral music, you feel peace. You know, we mm -hmm. often play it in the underground systems in London because it creates an atmosphere of peace in the underground. You know, they don't play Led Zeppelin music really loudly. So we know this to be true. And also we naturally have favourite music that we listen to that brings us peace. So, I mean, because what interests me is, um, is how you record because you don't... Do you ever dream songs? Do you ever just go to bed and dream songs? I do constantly. Um, I always, so God speaks to me in music. So I'm always hearing sounds. I'm always hearing motifs, like melodies in my head. I'm always, uh, sometimes I'll meet someone and I'll begin to hear a song in my head. And uh, I ask the Lord, what that is. And I believe that I'm hearing their birth song, their scroll that they were released with. And so, um, so he's always speaking to me. Uh, like when I pray, when I engage God personally, there's always a melody that leads me in. Does that make sense? Like, um, hearing it over like a loop in my head. And so, yes, I mean, there've been many songs that come just as a download, like literally I'll just start, I can't almost like catch it fast enough. Um, and then there are other songs where I just am in the studio and I just spontaneously with the guy, Richie Rubini, the producer that I work with, um, we just, begin to, I just will start playing and he'll press record and then we'll just spontaneously, uh, like that song, Ascension song that I did, that it's a 33 minute long song was a just a spontaneous. Um, and 33 is a big number, isn't it? 33, know, right? as I, you know, I'm always seeing 33. If you don't know, 33 is one of the essential um numbers isn't it of the universe you know in if you believe 528 uh, i i live in 30 because it's, it's interesting isn't it because um brooke if, if for people who are still struggling to understand this um and all the references just google anything that you don't understand and just let it if you don't understand things that you're listening to today just let it sit with you and, and google things that you feel you want to go for but brooke one of the classical composers who always played the same music throughout his life. He didn't develop or become more fashionable. He, he tended to stick to the same music. I was listening to a Radio 4 piece about him. Um, I believe he was in the 19th century. But he said that classical, that music is the language of heaven. One of the, I believe it's one of the languages. Yeah. I mean, I've heard some pretty crazy stuff. In yeah. <laughs> like we all know that you can walk into a room and you can feel you can feel when someone's loving. You can feel love in the room. You yes. can also feel hate in the room. You know, when you walk into a room and everyone everyone looks at you. No one said anything, but you feel that. Oh, you can feel that the atmosphere drops, doesn't it? Absolutely. Well, there's a, a website that you can look up called Heart Math for those of, of you that are new to this. And it literally talks about they can quantify the um, the resonating frequency from our heart, which extends like some, between six and eight feet out in a circle around us. So 
so that's really what you're encountering when, right, when you walk into a room and become within six to eight feet of someone, you can actually feel the frequency of what's happening in their heart, in their body, extending out into you. So, and yeah, also children, if children hear it oh, a lot, don't they? Children get this, don't they? Children will go, children oh, mommy, please angry or whatever, you know, and animals animals understand this as well. And if some of the stuff we're talking about, like she said, if you don't understand it, I always call it a not yet file. Um, just file it in the not yet file. And at some point you will either choose to pull it back out or you'll just delete it altogether. But don't read, uh, I encourage you not to reject something out of hand just because it's new or sounds weird. Just if you're um, ask the Holy Spirit to reveal all truth because he is the revealer of truth or or if you're you don't believe in that then just trust your gut and your intuition basically the way the universe works well it's like algorithms we all know if you look at something online like a pair of shoes it keeps showing you shoes or similar shoes until you buy the shoe and so if you're interested in something and you think okay i'm interested in this frequency thing suddenly everything on frequency will start finding you um, it's like you mentioned earlier when we were chatting before we started recording about horses suddenly wherever I go I'm talking about horses I'm you know I've been looking at mustangs <laughs> once you start in, once you're interested in something good or bad I'm sure about something but you can just say to the universe you can just say show me that and it will start coming to you you you'll start hearing everybody talking about frequency or music healing or and you'll start to engage your soul with it until you, you know, you'll go on a journey, a new path for you. And Absolutely. And a desire is the key, is a key that unlocks everything in God's kingdom. So, and in this kingdom, it's just a law, um, a natural law. So if you set your intention and your desire on be, getting healed from any of the issues that you struggle with regarding your past or your adoption, then set your intention on that. And it will respond and, and God will respond. The universe will respond back to you and you will find what you're looking for. Seek and you shall find. Yeah. Knock on the door and it shall be opened into you. And that's really, really important if you're, you know, if you are struggling with issues because even psychologists, whether you're a Christian or you believe or not, psychologists say that the minute you decide you want to be healed, you are 45% there already. Yeah. But the minute you say, I'll never get healed from this, I will never forgive my birth family for that, I never forgive, well, you start to shut down your soul and it starts yep. to fracture, doesn't it? You just start to fracture and you start to attract more fracturing and you get dragged into broke, even more brokenness. Absolutely. You know, and it is a mental choice. And it's funny because my friend's little a little boy said, um, this which I I love this. She literally posted this yesterday. She said, at bedtime last night, I asked my four-year-old son how he felt, how his heart felt when I hugged him. He said, My heart has a party and all his friends come. I love that. I absolutely love that. My heart has a party and all his friends come, which I actually believe is a quantum answer. Yeah, yeah, I do too. Oh my gosh. It's, it's really, I think one of the most, we're talking about healing, one of the most fascinating things that I learned was I had this spiritual encounter where Jesus basically walked me through from the moment of birth walked me through every year of my life and reframed in love what happened to me. He basically showed me what happened to me from his perspective. And what he showed me about my birth was that when I was taken from my mother immediately, I basically went into shock. Like he, he, he basically said that my spirit was vexed. Um, and that I began to react from a place of shock because, um, well, I just believe that, you know, we're, we can go back and see these things when we're taken. But what the most beautiful thing that shocked me about God 
was when he would walk me through the later years of um, all the things, the crazy things that I had done to medicate and to fill this void. Anytime he would show me something, I would immediately like cringe and go almost into to shame. And he would say to me, no, that's not of me. All I want is for you to take responsibility for any part that you had in this. And then that's it. We move on. We, the second I went into condemnation, he refused to go into condemnation. And that wrecked me because I never knew that God was like that. And I, at the end of this process, I had such a radical healing encounter because I encountered love and I encountered the heart of the father who reframed everything in my entire life that I had ever considered traumatic or shameful or um, horrible. He reframed it from his perspective and his perspective was always love. His perspective was always, yes, and see, this is how we take that and we flip it and we use it now as one of your strengths. And I honestly, after that encounter, I couldn't stop crying in a, in a beautifully broken way for like two months straight because everything, um, everything had unentangled from all my, my rejection issues, my trauma issues. And one of the most beautiful things he said to me that healed me uh, so quickly was, Laura, you could have never achieved your destiny in that birth family. There were things that you needed from that DNA to fulfill your destiny, but I allowed you to be in that birth family and then taken out and moved to this other family because they were going to nurture you into your destiny in a way that the other family couldn't. And that reframed, once again, the situation didn't change. What happened to me didn't change, but the way he took it and reframed it for me changed everything for me. And at that moment, I really forgave um, my birth parents. I let go of so much rejection and anger that I hadn't even known I was carrying, but it was immediately let go in that moment. So, yeah, because I, I think that's one of the things that I've realized about the love of God is love is whether you, you know, believe it or not, love is still the strongest, most powerful emotion on the planet it just never dies it will never ever go and I mean, I've, I've certainly had that when you know loved ones who aren't here with us anymore we know that their heritage their DNA and this is even now a proven fact you actually carry a lot of your family's genetics in you they're still in you their character their nature is it's not gone it's not been lost so we've got to so we've got to learn well, I'm learning every day to reframe even my how I tell my adoption story because otherwise I'm just refracturing going I never recover from that or um um you know that's gone now well it's not because they're still in me my sister my 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 story is still in me and like you said and I and I had a similar thing Jesus took me back in a, in a dream I've always dreamt and he showed me, said, and once I was stood there, you know, in, in my, um, I was found in the, in the bush in Nigeria. And I stood at the spot and the Lord said to me, and what makes you think this is, this, this, this is a disastrous situation? Because that's what it, I, I've never seen exactly what you said. You've only ever seen the, the, you know, the, the, the loss. But when right. God wanted to show me what I'd gained, and that's the confusion of adoption, you lose so much. But you also gain so much at the same time. It's not just about the loss. But if you're fixated on what you've lost, you'll never receive what you've gained. Absolutely. Yeah. And for those that have experienced like really horrific things that happened to them, um, there is 
healing in that. There can be a reframing of that uh, in your own mind and in your own heart because he never left you and he was always with you. And God really wants to show you it from his perspective. It's funny because one of my favorite scriptures, now this is going to probably upset a lot of people, but I want to read it. It's in chapter 49 of Isaiah. It says, can a woman forget her sucking child that she should not have compassion on the son of her womb? Yea, they may forget, yet I will not forget thee. Now, God took me through that scripture and he said that actually is showing a scientific truth that when young mothers give birth, in horrendous situations, maybe you're a child of rape, you're a child, you're, you're, you're giving a child back in a war zone like my, like my mother was. Right. You're experiencing massive levels of trauma in your body and you're giving birth. And it's very common for those mothers to forget, to forget their child. Wow. It's very Almost common. like a coping mechanism, you mean? It, it, yeah, because how trauma works is when you're extreming high levels of trauma, it's like a dam. The body will just, it, it'll just break, it will just put, a barrier goes down to stop the flood of emotional torrent. Yes. And that is like, and that, that's a natural thing. But the problem starts because we, we, we let the dam stay there or the dam will remain until your body knows it's time, it's, you're strong enough to actually unlock the dam of emotions and then deal with that particular trauma. Yes. Absolutely. And, and so there's lots of times when, when people have gone back to find their biological parents and they said, I've got the proof that you're my mother. And they've got, I, I, I never had a baby. Because they can't, they've actually hoped that it's been erased oh. in their mind. And what I love about that scripture is God saying there, a piece of scientific knowledge, can they forget? Yes, they can forget. Yes. God says, I won't forget you. Yeah. Well, that, that makes so much sense that they would compartmentalize it and just, they fracture just like any other, they disassociate from it because it was, because that is pretty much the most um, painful thing you could possibly imagine being separated from um, your own child, your own DNA. So that makes complete, complete sense. And, you know, um, I find it fascinating, too, that so many, um, and this happened within my own family, so many uh, adoptees then turn around and give children up themselves because of, you know, maybe some risky behavior or some unwanted pregnancy or whatever, or just not being, not being able to handle it. And there's a there's a pattern in the DNA that they just repeat. The cycle re absolutely repeats. It's interesting to me how we understand medically that things are passed down. You know, nobody says anything when the breast cancer gene is passed down, but the second like emotional things are passed down or, um, you know, any other kind of mental health traits or any other kind of giftings are passed down, then all of a sudden it becomes kind of an issue. But no one has any issue with medical things being uh, passed down. And we're just, the bottom line is we're body, soul, and spirit, and you cannot separate. You can't compartmentalize and separate. So. Yeah, no, I, I completely concur. I mean, you know, we're used to seeing patterns, you know, in families, everyone's a doctor. In families, every, everyone's a physician. Everyone's um, a politician or everyone's a nurse. But we don't, we still don't recognize that we also inherit patterns of, of behaviors yes. that could be nothing to do with us. And we've always, you know, a lot of people say I've always felt this, I've always felt I was that. But we can, we know that we can retrain our neurological structures. Yes. So many ways that can happen now. And I think as we, I mean, I know for my own life, as I start to get more knowledge on that and wanting to change, wanting to not always you know, it's like having a house, isn't it? And you, you've sat with that old chair your whole life. Okay, you weren't sitting on the floor. God always speaks to me in dreams. So I've often seen myself get a new sofa, get a new outfit, because God's changing the way I see myself. Yes. If I let him, if I say to him, Lord, change me, I don't want to be wearing the same old thing I've been wearing my whole life, talking about the same stuff. You can change it. Absolutely. Yeah. And the, the bottom line is you don't have, you don't, your identity does not have to be 
the sum of your experiences, uh, especially your negative ones. Uh, like for a long time, when I first got sober, my identity became alcoholic addict. And then, and for a long time, my identity was adoptee. But the truth is that our true identity is children of sons and daughters of the most high God and that we were created in his image. And so it's important to deal with and reckon with these other identities, whether it would be a racial identity, whether it would be a, um, you know, whatever label, a gender identity, whatever label you give yourself, those are important to reconcile within you. But ultimately, our identity is hopefully going to end up because it's our true identity as sons and daughters of, of God. And um, so I've been really on that journey to the fullness of my true identity. And as we begin to leave behind some of these lower, like false identities, there's so much freedom that we don't have to be bound by the words that we speak over ourselves and what we end up covenanting with, with, you know, by those words. So just know that if you feel stuck under whatever label that someone's given you or that you've given yourself, you have to reconcile through that, but it is not where you're going to end up. And your true identity is complete freedom to be who God created you to be in uh, as a son or daughter of the most high God. Amen. Amen. That is just the most wonderful process. When you look at yourself in the mirror and you go, you feel that you're not, you've changed. I remember when I was getting lots of prayer and healing, people would go, Joy, have you done your hair differently? What's because of my resonance? A big pile is gone. I've been carrying yeah. my whole life. It's like, and, and then you start to walk in this newness of life. Absolutely. And we don't have to say, we don't even have to say a word because when we're carrying trauma within us or bitterness or anger or resentment, any of those things, that is an energy. That is a frequency that people can sniff a mile away and we can have smiles on our faces. We can be in total denial. We can not even have ever acknowledged it to ourselves, but it's there and it's not going anywhere. And it's only going to end up in either attracting that same energy to yourself uh, through other relationships and people, or it's going to become sickness. And so, um, cause that energy can't stay, it, it's, it can't stay, um, it's static. It can't stay the same. It has to go somewhere. So, um, so yeah, we want to, we want to really by releasing and getting healing, we release the, that negative experience through energy out of our body. So through music, through encounter, through meditation, there are just a lot of ways that God has shown us and given us that are in scripture, even to release and get healed from and get freedom because we were meant to walk in freedom and to live in freedom. And we can, it's completely possible. We don't have to be bound to the old, but we do have to address the old. We just don't have to be bound to it and under it. You know, very quickly to end, one thing that God really showed me once when I was in a difficult place was he said, um, take a lead pencil. Lead is a waste product. A lot of us feel like we are lead. We've been thrown away. There's no value really in lead apart. Yes, you can write with it, but lead is kind of quite cheap. It's a heavy, not very pretty thing. But if you take that piece of lead, you put it in the ground and you put it under a thousand degrees centigrade for a considerable amount of time, you get a diamond. Oh, love it. And then what makes a diamond come to the surface? A, a move, a tectonic platelet movement. We then get an eruption and then that will, and then that forces the ground to open and pushes that uncut diamond to the surface. Now, and like, I know I always thought that I could never see anything good in myself, but past at my last church, she, she always said, Joy, you are a diamond because mm -hmm. she could see in me, you know, something of worth. 
And we always have people in our lives who can see the worth in us. And even no one else can see, because I've never spotted an, an uncut diamond. It's full of soil and wise cutting. You can take a piece of old rock mm. and you can cut it. And the brilliance of all the things we've gone through have become the facets that will okay. show through other people's darkness and lead them away. Yeah, absolutely. That is so beautiful. And, you know, for those of, of you watching that, that ha didn't have that one person that saw that in you, the good news is that your father, your heavenly father always did. And he is, his greatest desire is in relationship to be able to show you how he sees you. And that's just the most healing and beautiful thing that you could possibly ever receive or imagine. So I just, set your desire. If your desire is for that, set your desire on that. And he will always reward those that are seeking that. Oh, well, I think that's a lovely note to end on. So if people want to get in contact with you or follow your music. How can they find you and, 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 and uh, engage with, with, with your sound? Well, um, you can just even just Google Laura C, L-A-U-R-A-C, and then I think some stuff will come up even with that. But if you add the word worship, then everything will come up right away. So, and also for those, uh, I also have a, an album, a CD available for download called The Gift of Brokenness that uh, is really about recovery. It's actually using the 12-step model. And it was a album I got a download for right after I got sober. And it goes through the 12 steps of recovery with a song, like every song relates to a step. So it starts with the journey of being completely bottomed out and ends with the joy of receiving healing. So that's a really, that album has been just uh, it's not necessarily a Christian album, but it has been really utilized by a lot of people to experience freedom and healing, at least a measure of it through, through engaging it. So that's called The Gift of Brokenness. And I think it's still on iTunes or something. So you can just Google that. Yeah, absolutely beautiful. I mean, I, I, I listened to some of it earlier and I just, well, I just burst into tears. <laughs> <laughs> it just opened my heart it just it's what it just it came into my soul I think I, I text saying it penetrated right into my soul and I consider myself quite whole you know it was like something just got mended in five minutes I was like what on oh, earth wow. is that I felt the hairs in the back of my hand all stand up and I just felt this love just burst out inside of me and this peace wow. five minutes so I know your music, and I wasn't expecting that. I, I was, <laughs> wasn't expecting it. Well, I really appreciate that. It's funny because when I really just, that was therapy. That album was literally, as I was recovering, I was angry. I go through the stages of anger. I go through the stages of bitterness and fear and all of it. And I was recovering myself and walking through each one of those stages and, um, what I was blown away is that here I thought I was just documenting my addiction journey. And then I begin as it, it ended up being uh, in the United States, it ended up kind of taking off for a little while. And I ended up being doing a lot of TV shows and a lot of conferences for the 12 step movement. But what blew me away was the people that responded were getting recovery and healing from like cancer from all sorts of trauma, from eating disorders, from um, ad adoptees that had been trauma. They were, it was so much wider than I had ever anticipated or expected. And so it just proves that, you know, whatever your story can have massive healing for everyone. So as your story as well, as all of our stories, as we begin to share what we've overcome then that offers the power of testimony right yeah that's the crown of overcoming and um 
and and when you know something, no, like you said earlier, no one can take that truth away from what from you. So, oh my gosh, thank you so much for speaking. Oh, thank you. You've been such a ray of light and and just beautiful. You know, you're, you're you've got such a the word aura really because it really is like that it's like you've got this aura of just peace and joy and hope around you you know we're not sat in the same studio but I'm sure if if, if we were in space there'd be a smell of roses <laughs> I appreciate that well that's him not me so I, I appreciate that thank you ah oh, shalom Thank you so much for listening and thank you, thank you, thank you again, Laura, for sharing so amazing, amazingly your journey and your life and giving us all those incredible insights. Well, I don't know about you, but I feel like I've eaten a huge meal (laughs) and I'm really, really, really super full. So like I said, please do check out our links and our points. There's loads of notes. Let us know your thoughts and your feedback. All are welcome, good or bad, or just general. Please subscribe, follow us, and if you can donate and support Laura's work and Adoption Arena, please, please do, because your financial support, no matter how big or no matter how small, just helps helps us keep going and helps us keep doing this. Now, the next episode, I'm speaking to the amazing Simon Ben, whose voice you heard on the intro. And also, you're about to hear again on the outro as he shares his thoughts about what a pining spirit means to him. He's from Thriving Adoptees because he is the man who wants you to thrive. He's an amazing adoptee. He's an amazing pioneer. And he he brings such a wealth of knowledge and understanding like Laura, but very different to Nora. So so you're going to love him. Simon, take it away. And I'll see you next time. Loads of love. Stay safe, stay full and stay authentically and beautifully you. Thank you for listening. Pioneering spirit is vital because it challenges how things are and improves adoptees' lives.